Our New Testament passage today picks up in Hebrews chapter 9, beginning with verse 15. So let's turn our attention there. Therefore, he, Jesus, is the mediator, the, not one, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So that, remember, we always want to get after that, so that, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. This is the call to salvation. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. All right. A death has occurred. That's Jesus. And the fruit of his death Is redemption. For while, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only in death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. For instance, you know, uh, my mom and dad had a will. Well, until mama dies, that will is not in force. You have a will for your family. That will is not enforced until you die. People can't come and take things until you die. Okay. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood the tent and the vessels used in worship, all right? So notice all the things that he, he sprinkled here with, with the blood, okay? He sprinkled the book, which is the Ten Commandments. He sprinkled the people. He sprinkled the tent. And he sprinkled the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. There can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Thus, it was necessary for the copies. Now, here is a big word. The copies of the heavenly things. This is a big concept. Everything you see in the tabernacle in the wilderness, everything you see in the temple in Jerusalem, these were copies of the heavenly things. There is a heavenly holy place, and holy of holies. Okay, there is, these are just copies. It's kind of like going to Green Hills and you buy a, a Louis Vuitton Parejo, okay? You buy a Parejo, you don't buy the real thing that costs, you know, six months' salaries or maybe a year's salary. You buy a Parejo. Well, these are copies. These are imitations of the heavenly things. Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, all right? So the heavenly, the heavens, or the real, needed more. Not the blood of goats and bulls. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands. This is the copy which are copies of the true things. So there are true things in heaven. There's a true holy of holy. There's a true mercy seat. There are true candles. There's a true table of showbread. But into heaven itself, now 
to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So Jesus took his blood and they were sprinkled on the, the real things in heaven. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly. Now, again, here's a big deal. As the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages. Big concept here. And now notice, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, now let me just park here for a minute. Jesus does not die every year. I remember when I first came to the Philippines in 1980, and, and I heard a family say, you, to the kids, because we used to have more trees on General Luna and stuff, you can't climb a tree. Jesus is dead. There's nobody to protect you. And I used to think that was the strangest thing, but I realized that was a tradition. And some of the provinces, that is still a tradition. But the high priest had to offer himself repetitively, but not Jesus. Otherwise, Jesus would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages, in these days, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus only died once. And Jesus finished with sin. The power of sin was broken by the death of our Savior. Now, you, you just got to get a hold of that, brothers and sisters. He put away sin. He finished with sin by the shedding of his blood. And just as it is appointed for a man once to die, and then comes judgment. Now, let me put it to you this way. Put proper color here. For a man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. So Christ having been offered once. Now, here's this big deal again. Okay, verse 26 ties in down here. Offered once to bear the sins of many. All right, here's the purpose. Will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, because remember, sin has already been dealt with. Done, okay? But to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Now, let me just back up and look at that with you for just a minute. Jesus died once. You and I die once. There is no reincarnation. Every man dies one time. Jesus died one time. You and I die once. And after that, the judgment. Either the bema seat for us, if you're a believer, or the judgment seat, the great white throne judgment seat for everybody else at the end of time. It's appointed to a man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. Once death happens, there is nothing awaiting you but judgment. Okay. Christ was offered once, and his purpose was to bear the sins of many. Remember, he put away sin, verse 26. When he comes again a second time, he's not going to die again. He's coming to rule and reign. We've been teaching about that in the evening services. Not to deal with sin. That's, he's finished with sin. All right. It's done. That was not. But he comes to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Now, I like that, eagerly waiting. Are you looking forward to Jesus coming? Are you, every day is your heart saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It should be. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
to Ezekiel, one of the most dramatic books in the Bible, because Ezekiel was a priest and a prophet, and he was so dramatic in his explanations and in his living out the instructions that the Lord gave to him. So as we get started today, we're going to be reading in chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Let us have a little review. First of all, who gave or who fed Ezekiel the word of God? God did. Remember, it says, I looked and I saw. And there was a hand reaching out to me, giving me a book, giving me, here, Ezekiel, here, eat this, here, come on. And so it's God who fed Ezekiel his word, who opened it to him, who let him understand it. Will God do that to you? Will God feed you his word? Yes, he will. He will in your life. What do you need to do? Not eat your Bible. <laughs> you need to read the word of God, ingest it, internalize it. And so you too can be filled with the word of God. And remember that Ezekiel looked and he saw looked and he saw that something we are going to see over and over and over. You will only see when you look. And further, what you see is determined by where you're looking, right? I can look through one window and see a tree. I can look through another window and see a concrete wall. I, I see things based on where I'm looking. And so we should be looking in the right places in our lives, looking toward heavenly things, looking to what God has for us. Amen. And then there's a very important thing that we saw in Ezekiel chapter 3, as we were just ending up last time. And I want to read this to you in the New Living Translation. Of course, yesterday we were reading in ESV, Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Then he said, Son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Then go to your people in exile and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Let them sink into your own heart first. What an important sequence for anyone who wants to be a go group leader who wants to share the gospel with their loved ones. Let the word of God sink into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. See, you've got to experience it first before you can just rush out and start telling people it's not intellectual. It's a heart journey, and we need to do that. And now we're going to pick up right there 
in chapter 3, but starting in verse 16. At the end of seven days, so after all these visions of the Lord that <laughs> left Ezekiel just feeling overwhelmed with all these visions and the glory of the Lord that he saw, at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of Man, you know what Son of Man is, that's God's favorite nickname for Ezekiel, Son of Man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. Now that same verse, exactly those same words, God repeats to Ezekiel much later on in chapter 33, verse 7. It's the same words God says to him. See, you know what? God doesn't change his mind. And some of you, hmm, you might be thinking you're called of God. You might be thinking God has called you to serve you in full-time ministry. If you think that and God has called you, he doesn't change his mind. And two years from now, when you think the going gets rough and people criticize you, remember what God said to Ezekiel, don't be afraid of them, don't be afraid of their words, don't be afraid of their looks. Because he was a young preacher, he was a young prophet and priest. God said, don't be afraid of them. But two years later, you don't get to drop out because God doesn't change his mind. His calling to you is his calling to you. If you're meant to be teaching the word as a go group leader, you don't just, oh, well, I don't think I will. You know, I'm tired. If God wants you to, he wants you to. And he doesn't change his mind. And it says, I have made you a watchman. God does it. God makes you into his speaker. God makes you into his messenger. God makes you usable in his hands. God does that. And so now it says he's made him a watchman. Okay, we already know that Ezekiel is a priest. We already know that he is a prophet. And now God calls him a watchman. And you know, in the book of Isaiah, actually 56 verses 10 and 11, Watchmen are called shepherds. <laughs> so prophet, priest, watchman, shepherd, lots of different words. But it's not like one day he's going to be, he'll have his watchman hat on. And the next day he'll have his prophet hat on. And the next day he'll have his shepherd hat on. No, he's called to be a man of God. And these are things that men of God do and are to the people. In this case, it's a description, a watchman. A watchman sounds the alarm. A watchman says, hey, sheep, there's a wolf right here. A watchman sounds the alarm. Now it says, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Wow, accountability. When you're called of God, there's accountability to God. <laughs> of course, to your people as well, but you're accountable to God. God will say, hey, I've called you to do this. You need to do this. You need to warn the wicked of their ways. Or else, it's a very strong warning to Ezekiel, or else I'll require their blood 
at your hand. Now, if you warn them and they don't listen, it's up to them. You have saved yourself, but they will still die for their sin. You know, it's a serious thing. It's a heavy thing. When God calls you to be a go-group leader, or if God calls you to be a pastor, you don't just suddenly say you're tired. You know, there's this thing in um, the course that I took at UP years ago on salary administration, and there's this thing called consequence of error. And you think of the consequence of error of, let's say, a janitor who fails to sweep a certain corner of the room, or a stock boy in the grocery store who fails to stock a certain brand of peas or corn, something like that. There is a consequence to our errors. But if we are called by God to share his word, the accountability is so great. The consequence of error could be a human soul because you just got tired and decided not to meet your connect group that week and somebody didn't come to know the Lord who should have. Yeah, the consequence of error can be a human soul. And that, of course, is absolutely unacceptable consequence. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning, and you will have delivered your soul. And the hand of the Lord was upon me there. See how many times in the book of Ezekiel you're going to see that the hand of the Lord upon Ezekiel. And he said to me, Arise, go out to the valley, and there I will speak with you. So I arose and went into the valley. And behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, <laughs> like the glory I had seen by the Chebar Canal, and I fell on my face. How would you like the Lord to say, now get up and go to church because I want to talk to you. And when you walked into the church, the glory of the Lord was there and you saw the glory of the Lord. Wow. Is God a respecter of persons? If it can happen to Ezekiel, it could happen to you. You could see the Lord, his face to face, his glory, his awesomeness. You could hear his voice. All right. So the glory of the Lord he saw. What did he do? What was his human response? And I fell on my face. Oh, pattern. <laughs> you see, you have an experience with God. What do you do? You can't stand. You fall on your face. But the spirit entered me and set me on my feet and he spoke to me. Pattern. <laughs> when God gives you an experience and it overwhelms you, Next thing you know what he's going to be saying, stand up, I need to talk with you. But he said here, go shut yourself within your house. And you, O son of man, behold, cords will be placed upon you, and you shall be bound with them so that you cannot go out among the people. 
drama begins. Drama, drama, drama. I told you Ezekiel is the drama prophet, illustrating everything as a living illustration. Just as Isaiah and his family, he said they were signs to the people. Ezekiel would literally dramatize God's instructions over and over again. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute and unable to reprove them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, He who will hear, let him hear. He who will refuse to hear, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Chapter 4. Drama continues. (laughs) And you, son of man, take a brick and lay it before you, and engrave on it a city, even Jerusalem, and put siege works against it, and build a siege wall around it, and cast up a mound against it. It kind of sounds like Ezekiel's playing with a huge Lego set, doesn't it? Set camps also against it, and plant battering rams against it all around, and you take an iron griddle, and place it as an iron wall between you and the city, Set your face against it, and let it be in a state of siege, and press the siege against it. This is a sign for the house of Israel. Then lay on your left side, and place the punishment of the house of Israel upon it. For the number of the days that you lie on it, it, you shall bear their punishment. For I assign to you a number of days, 390 days, equal to the number of the years of their punishment so shall you bear the punishment of the house of Israel. And when you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the punishment of the house of Judah. Forty days I assign a day for each year, and you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with your arm bared, and you shall prophesy against the city. And behold, I will place cords upon you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have completed the days of your siege. Anyone here willing to go to such lengths to proclaim what God wants for his people? But he was a prophet and God asked him to dramatize. So he did. And you take wheat and barley, beans and lentils, millet and emmer, and put them in a single vessel and make your bread from them. During the number of days that you lie on your side, 390 days, that's a long time, you shall eat it. And your food that you eat shall be by weight, 20 shekels a day. From day to day, you shall eat it. How about that, huh? A God-designed diet for this siege that he was dramatizing. And water you shall drink by measure. The sixth part of a hen from day to day you shall drink. And you shall eat it as a barley cake baking it in their sight on human dung. And the Lord says, Thus shall the people of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations where I will drive them. Oh, that was just too much for Ezekiel. And he said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I have never defiled myself. From my youth up until now, I have never eaten what was what died of itself or was torn by beasts, nor has tainted meat come into my mouth. Then he said to me, See, I assign to you cow's dung instead of human dung, on which you may prepare your bread. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, I will break the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety, 
and they shall drink water by measure and in dismay. So there's going to be a shortage because of the siege that will come. I will do this that they may lack bread and water and look at one another in dismay and rot away because of their punishment. And you, chapter 5, O son of man, take a sharp sword. Use it as a barber's razor. There's a new use for a sword. And pass it over your head and your beard. Then take balances for weighing and divide the hair. A third part you shall burn in the fire in the midst of the city when the days of the siege are completed. And a third part you shall strike with the sword all around the city. And a third part you shall scatter to the wind and I will unsheathe the sword after them. And yes, in our Ezekiel class, in my Ezekiel class, yes, I have the students enact all of Ezekiel's dramas because they're so unforgettable. No dramatic prophet like Ezekiel was. And you shall take from these a small number and bind them in the skirts of your robe. And of these again, you shall take some and cast them into the midst of the fire and burn them in the fire. And from there, a fire will come out into all the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the center of the nations. Ooh, now there's a revelation. What is the center of all the nations? Jerusalem. And what is the source? What is the, the, the contention of countries around the world even until today? Jerusalem. Yes, it is truly the center of the nations. I know I heard one time that Cebu is the center of the universe. I heard that from someone. But Jerusalem, clearly, in God's mind, is the center of the nations, with countries all around her. And she has rebelled against my rules by doing wickedness more than the nations, and against my statutes than the countries all around her. For they have rejected my rules and not walked in my statutes. How do you get into rebellion? You reject God's laws. You say, oh, that's not for me. I know, but pastor, you don't understand that. I know that's the Bible and that applies to certainly to so-and-so. But, you know, you just have to understand my situation. No, 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 no. You don't reject God's rules. You don't reject God's laws. You say, yes, sir, when God wants you to do something. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you are more turbulent than the nations that are all around you, and have not walked in my statutes or obeyed my rules, and have not even acted according to the rules of the nations that are all around you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, am against you, and I will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations. And because of all your abominations, I will do with you what I have never done, the likes of which I will never do again." Therefore, fathers shall eat their sons in your midst, and sons shall eat their fathers. You notice in this particular passage, there are lots of therefores. Sin leads to sin, leads to sin. Sin leads to consequences. Persistent sin leads to more consequences. Is that true in our lives? Yes. If we will have sin in our life that we're not willing to admit, or we're not willing to submit ourselves to God's word, then there are consequences to that. Thank God Jesus died for our sins, so we do not have to bear the consequence of our sin. But if we are going to confess our sin, he is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sin, amen, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there are so many therefores in this passage. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord, surely, because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things. Well, defiling God's sanctuary is a serious thing. And with all your abominations, therefore, I will withdraw. You know, that's got to be the worst therefore I could ever imagine. Therefore, I'm out of here. Wow. May I never reject God's rules for my life. May I never reject his word for me, for my life. I don't want God to say, eh, therefore, I'm out of here. No. My eye will not spare and I will have no pity. And by the way, about that, just determine in your heart that you will love the Lord your God and you will follow in his ways. And you know what you need to do? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 right? It always comes down to that. Stay in the Word. Read the Word. Take it into your heart for yourself. Remember, as we read, absorb it into your heart. Let it sink down deep. Learn it for yourself. Amen. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. A third part of you shall die of pestilence and be consumed with famine in your midst. A third part shall fall by the sword all around you, and a third part I will scatter to all the winds and will unsheath the sword after them. Thus shall my anger spend itself, and I will vent my fury upon them and satisfy myself, and they shall know that I am the Lord. They shall know, then they will know. You will see that phrase. We've already seen it when God was speaking to Ezekiel, calling him to be a prophet. And he said, you speak my word, whether they will listen or not listen, you speak my word and they will know that a prophet has been among them. In the book of Revelation, how many plagues and trials come upon this earth, but the people railed against God. It's so shocking that these things can happen and people will just blame God, rail against him. One day, every knee will bow. Amen. Everyone will know. They will know experientially. They will know without a shadow of a doubt. So bow your knee now. Confess his lordship now in your life. They shall know that I am the Lord that I have spoken in my jealousy when I spend my fury upon them. Moreover, I will make you a desolation and an object of reproach among the nations all around you and in the sight of all who pass by. You shall be a reproach and a taunt, a warning and a horror to the nations around you when I execute judgment on you in anger and fury and with furious rebukes. I am the Lord. I have spoken. When I send against you the deadly arrows of famine, arrows for destruction, which I will send to destroy you, and when I bring more and more famine upon you and break your supply of bread, I will send famine and wild beasts against you, and they will rob you of your children. Pestilence and blood shall pass through you, and I will bring the sword upon you. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Again, I want to say to you, thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for his mercy in our lives, that the sin that we have committed against him 
can be forgiven, washed away. What do we have to do? Turn to him and confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us. He will wash us and make us clean as pure snow. He will deliver us. He will forgive us. But these people, unfortunately, there's all those therefores. Therefores, therefores, therefores. Therefore, he withdrew. When he withdraws, there goes his protection. There goes his shield roundabout. And all kinds of terrible things ensue. Well, with all those things, we will end our Ezekiel reading for today. And we will say thank you so much for joining us for our daily devotions today. Please do join us for our COP online evening service tonight at 7 p.m. right here in this same place. God bless you.